the famous Ruzhiner Rebbe, Rabbi Yisroh Friedman of Ruzhin, was the son of Rabbi Sholem Shachna, who was the son of Rabbi Avraham the Malach, who was in turn the son of the Magid of Mizrich, Rabbi Doivber. Rabbi Doivber was the Talmud of Rabbi Yisroh Baal Shem Tov, who founded the Hasidic movement, and the Magid himself led the Hasidim after the Histalkus of the Holy Baal Shem Tov. When the Rizhina Rebbe was Nestalik, his heirs divided amongst themselves the Yerusha, the inheritance. The most precious thing that the Tzaddik left behind was a pair of tefillin that had come down to him from generation to generation directly from the Magid, his great-grandfather. Each one of the six sons of the Ruzhina Rebbe wanted the tefillin, but Rabbi David Moshe declared that if his brothers would let him have the tefillin, he would give up his entire share of the inheritance and leave it to them to divide amongst themselves. Finally, the brothers decided to use a geidel, a lottery, as the fairest method of determining who would get the tefillin, and David Moshe was the happy winner after all. Two years later, Rabbi Avraham Yaakov, who was the oldest son of the Ruzhiner, he was a Rebbe himself, the Rebbe of Sadegora. On Yutes Kislev, he fabranged with some of his many Talmidim, as it was the yard site of his elder Zayda the Magid. He spoke about how much he had wanted to have his elder Zayda's tefillin, but that his younger brother, David Moshe, was the happy winner. I have never envied anyone anything, said the Sadagora Rebbe, but I must admit that I do envy my dear brother David Moshe, who has the privilege of putting on the tefillin of our elder Zayda every day. As he said this, two of the younger Hasidim in the audience looked at each other, and then one of them stood up and said, Oi, Rebbe, my friend and I have done a dreadful thing. Not out of any evil intention, Chas Shalom, we only wish to please our Rebbe. But we realize now we've done something very wrong. We don't know what to do. Knowing how much the Rebbe had wanted the Rebbe's Elter Zedist tefillin, and believing that the Rebbe is entitled to the tefillin because he's the eldest son, my friend here and I, one day, broke into Rabbi David Moshe's private room, opened up the tefillin, and took out the cloth. We replaced them with other kosher parchments. We sewed up the tefillin again and we left. We soon realized what we had done. We had second thoughts and we realized we had done something dreadful. We didn't know what to do with the cloth from the maggots to fill in. We were afraid to return them to David Moshe. We were afraid to give them to the Rebbe. But now that we've heard again from the Rebbe how much the Rebbe had wanted to have the privilege of putting on his elder Zayda's tefillin, I've decided to tell my story. Upon saying this, the young man took out a small package and passed it to the Rebbe. All of the Hasidim were filled with awe and trembling. How could these two young Hasidim do such a dreadful thing, they thought. On the other hand, some of them also thought that 
if the tzaddik, Rabbi David Moshe, has not been aware of what had happened, and he's still putting on the tefillin as usual, it's a sign that the tefillin didn't really belong to him. Everyone looked at the Rebbe as the Rebbe unwrapped the package, took out the cloth, looked them over, word by word, line by line, wrapped them up, gave them a kiss, and put them in his inner pocket. The crowd was silent. Then the Rebbe spoke. Let no one here say a word about this to anyone. I want each one of you present here today to accompany me on a visit to my brother, David Moshe, in Potik. We will leave in Mirza Hashem on the day after Chanukah. When the Sadagor Rebbe arrived in Potik with his Hasidim on the day after Chanukah, Rabbi David Moshe went out to meet his brother and welcome him with respect and affection. The two tzaddikim hugged and kissed each other, and it was a very happy occasion for all who witnessed it. The next morning, Rabbi David Moshe took his brother into his private room where they were davened together. On the table were three pairs of tefillin next to each other, Rashi, Rabbeinu Tam, and Shemusha Rabbah. And a little further away from these three pairs of tefillin was another pair of tefillin, which the Sadegora Rebbe recognized at once as being the Magid's tefillin. The Sadegora Rebbe looked as his brother David Moshe took their Elter Zedis tefillin in his hands, held them, and after a moment, he kissed them and put them back on the table. Then he took his own pair of Rashi's tefillin and began to daven. Eventually, he put on the other two pairs of tefillin, as did his older brother, along with their minhag. After they finished davening, the Sadagora Rebbe asked his brother why he did not put on their father's tefillin, which had come from the Magid. What should I tell you, dear brother? said Rabbi David Moshe. It's quite some time since I put them on. One morning, as I picked them up, I had a strange feeling. I did not feel their usual holy glow, as if their kedusha had departed chas v'shalom. This could mean only one thing. For some reason, I am no longer worthy to put on these sacred tefillin. I've searched my heart. I've davened. I've done a chesh ben over and over again but it hasn't helped. I don't know where I failed, and I don't know what I can do to make things right. As he spoke these words, tears filled his eyes. Then he quickly composed himself and turned to his brother with a smile. Everything is by Hashgacha Pratis. Since you've come to visit me and brought me so much joy and honor, I want you to have these to fill in, my dear brother. You are worthier than I. I give them to you wholeheartedly. The Sadagora Rebbe put up his hand. Please, dear brother, don't be so hasty to part with this holy inheritance. You're blaming yourself without cause. You are the most worthy to put on these holy tefillin of our Elter Zeta the Magid. Let me tell you what has happened. And the Sadagora Rebbe told his brother 
the story of the two Hasidim who had switched the claf. When the Sadagor Rebbe finished speaking, he brought out the holy claf of the Magid and gave them to his brother David Maisha, saying, I've checked them carefully. They are as perfect as they were when they were first written. You will replace them in their tefillin, and I assure you that you will again feel the influence and the inspiration that you once did. Rabbi David Maisha was overwhelmed with an inner happiness that he could not express in words. From that day forward, whenever he would finish davening with his tefillin, Rabbi David Maisha would keep them under lock and key. Soon after his brother's visit, he moved to the city of Chortkov and became the famous Chortkov Rebbe with many Hasidim of his own. When he felt that the day was coming when his neshama would go away from his guf, he called in his only son Yisrael and told him that he was leaving the maggots to fill him to him as a Yerusha and that he should know how to cherish them and guard them properly. Rabbi Yisrael, the son of Rabbi David Meisha, was so careful with the tefillin that he didn't dare use them on every day. He would use them only twice a year, on Purim and Erev Yom Kippur. On all other days, he used his own tefillin. But despite his great care, the tefillin did get lost. This happened during the First World War, when the Holy Rabbi Yisrael and his family had to leave their home in Chortkov before the Russian Cossacks would occupy the town. In the terrible rush of the sudden evacuation, the tefillin were accidentally left in the house. Rabbi Yisrael was heartbroken, but there was nothing he could do. He and his family found refuge in Lemberg, hoping that the Austrian army would soon drive the Russians out of Galicia and he would be able to return to Chortkov. But this was not to be so soon. The Russians swept through Galicia, taking one town after another. Everywhere they ransacked the abandoned homes and set the houses on fire. When the Russians grew close to Lemberg, Rabbi Yisrael fled to Vienna to await the end of the war there. Several years later, the Russians were finally driven from Galicia and Chortkov was freed. Rabbi Yisrael sent a special messenger to find out whether it would be possible for him to return to the town, hoping to find the Magid's sacred tefillin in the ruins of his house. The report that the messenger brought back was not a positive one. Then, one day, several months after the war, Rabbi Yisrael had an unexpected visitor. He was a Jew dressed in a tattered Russian military uniform who had been captured by the Austrians as a prisoner of war. The Chortkova Rebbe could hardly believe his eyes when the soldier took out a pair of tefillin from his bag and handed it to the Rebbe. The Rebbe's eyes welled up with joyful tears as he recognized the holy maggots tefillin. Just as he had last seen them, Erevium Kipper four years earlier. The Rebbe took the tefillin in his hands, kissed them, and hugged them, just like a lost child who had turned up well and happy. Finally, he said to the Jew, 
I've always had the feeling that these tefillin will return to me. You have a great mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda. Tell me, where did you find these tefillin? It's a long story, Rebbe, said the soldier. When the war broke out, I was serving in the Russian army and was sent to fight at the Austrian border. We fought many bloody battles. We won some. We lost some. We took some border towns and villages, and then we would lose them. We received reinforcements and were ordered to advance at all costs. The Austrians fled before us, and we were on their heels. Then we reached Chortkov, which had already been taken by another Russian brigade. I had been to Chortkov before as a boy. My father, Oliver Shalom, was a chassid of the Chortkov Rebbe and he took me with him on several occasions. I was so impressed with the Rebbe's large house and base medrash, and with the holy Rebbe and his Hasidim and their special conduct. But now I found the Rebbe's town in ruins. Soldiers prowled through the streets, searching for any valuables. As I walked, I suddenly came to a large mansion that was partially destroyed, it had attracted quite a few soldiers, some of whom were carrying out damaged kitchen utensils and furniture and so forth. I recognized the building as being the Rebbe's house, and I felt such a pain in my heart. I walked inside, from room to room, each one bare, with piles of rubbish here and there. Then I came into one room and felt a strange sensation like I was in a holy place. I began to search amidst the broken rubble, and I found this tefillin bag, covered with dust but seemingly untouched. I put it in my coat pocket and walked out. Needless to say, continued the soldier, I guarded the tefillin, but I am quite sure that the tefillin guarded me even more. Many times under heavy fire, I would clutch the tefillin to my heart and daven, and miraculously, I came out unharmed as you see me today. Towards the end of the war, I was taken prisoner by the Austrians and held in a POW camp near the Italian border. When the war was over, I was released, and I'm now on my way home. But first I wanted to return the tefillin to the Rebbe, and when I found out that the Rebbe was here, I brought the tefillin here at once. The Rebbe was deeply moved and said, I cannot thank you nor reward you for the great mitzvah that you've done. Hashem will generously reward you for it. But for the great pleasure you brought me, for that I am grateful. I want you to be my guest for a few days. Rest up from your long journey. We have a Pidyan Shavuyim fund. We can buy you some clothes. You can throw away your military uniform, and you will not leave here empty-handed when you go home to your family. Now, excuse me for a moment, and I will get you some money. The Rebbe went into the next room where he kept the money. When he returned, the soldier was gone. The Rebbe called to his gabai, Quickly, go after that man and bring him back. After which man, Rebbe? asked the gabai. After the man in a soldier's uniform, who came in here a few minutes ago. Didn't you see him leave? No, Rebbe, said the Gabbai. 
I saw no one leave. Really, said the holy Rebbe. Well, then never mind. <laughs>